and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. Today's guest is Deanna Joy Spencer, aka Joy, who is a multi-passionate educator, community builder, and content creator. She believes having many passions is a gift, not a burden, and she's on a mission to rewrite the narrative around choosing one thing being the only path to success. I am so excited to have Joy on the podcast today, not only because she is someone that I've really looked up to in the space of creativity coaching and entrepreneurship, but also because she has helped me so much because I identify as a multi-passionate creative, and I'm sure many of you listening also identify as a multi-passionate creative. And we talk a little bit about in this episode how to know if you identify yourself as that. So as you listen, you can kind of see if that resonates with you. But her work is really centered around allowing multi-passionate creatives to thrive, to find focus, to prioritize different creative projects so that you can devote yourself to your creative practice and really thrive by doing all of the different things that light you up. So in this conversation, we talk about just how to do that, how to commit to your focus, how to commit to your devotion in your creative practice and really juggle different creative projects. Joy walks me through a process in deciding what project I want to work on next. So if you've ever had a million different ideas for different projects or different creative things you want to do, but you don't know where to start, listening to this episode is a really great place because Joy gives really tangible, actionable tips that you can implement today. So I'm so honored to be talking to Joy today. And without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Joy. Well, hello, Joy. Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I've been, I was just telling you before we press record, but I have been following your work for what feels like years. And I feel like you are one of the OGs in the creative space that I looked up to as a creativity coach and as someone who was sharing about creativity and being multi-passionate as a creative. So I know we're going to get into a lot of good things in this conversation, but I always start off my interviews with asking what is currently fueling your creative soul? Mm. What's currently fueling my creative soul is this desire to really see a pretty substantial shift in the way that multi-passionates relate to themselves when it comes to things like focus and prioritizing and sort of having a plan for how they can bring their ideas to life on a stress-free timeline. I'm really drawn to this concept that being multi-passionate is a noun and not a verb. So it's who you are, it's the qualities that you're bringing to your work, it's your unique problem solving, your unique creative solutions, your ability to really think outside of the box because you can't even see the box. It's more about that and less about, I'm going to do as many things as I can at one time to prove that I'm multi-passionate. This is a shift that I made in my life gradually over time. And on paper, it doesn't sound that sexy or attractive, like, oh, priorities and focus, sure. But the result of having those skills in a way that actually works for a multi-passionate person is that it frees up so much more energy for your self-expression. When you're not using so much of your brain power to problem solve on, well, which idea should I start with first? And oh no, these are overlapping and now I'm burnt out. When you have a solution for that, the outcome is that you're able to show up and start sharing more of yourself. And that really is kind of the whole point, I think, of embracing the multi-passionate lifestyle. So that's what's fueling me right now is making this idea of creating priorities attractive (laughs) to multi-passionates and serving the clients in my program and just continuing on that journey. 
Wow. Yeah. I love that you say it's a noun, not a verb. And I'm curious, how would you define someone who is multi-passionate? Like how, how do you know if you're multi-passionate? How does it show up for, for you in your life or for your client's life? Like, how do we know if we can kind of identify ourselves as that? Yeah. Great question. So I have a very simple criteria. It's like three things that intersect. The first one is that you have a lot of interest. So you're interested in a lot of things. You're probably a very curious person by nature and you're not afraid to try something new. And when something new sparks your interest, it's almost like you're ready to just rabbit hole and learn as much of it as you can and devour it in a way. Mm -hmm. So that's the first criteria. The second is that match with those interests, you also have a lot of raw talent. So you probably have an instrument in your home, even if you don't play it anymore, at some point you started learning it, or you have some kind of other outlet, you have these natural given talents and you learn quickly. So maybe you don't even know you have a talent for watercoloring, let's say, but as soon as you watch a couple YouTube tutorials, all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm pretty good at this. And so that intersection of having a lot of interest matched with a lot of raw talents it creates having a lot of options, right? Because you're interested in a lot of things and you're also good at a lot of things. The third criteria is that you're trying to figure out how you can share as many of your gifts as possible in one lifetime. That is the ultimate conundrum of the multi-passionate experience. Someone who's a hobbyist, who has a lot of interest and maybe even has some of that raw talent, but isn't necessarily multi-passionate, they're not gonna be as concerned with how do I get this out of my soul and into the world in this one life? They're not gonna be overly concerned with that. They're okay with you know having hobbies, keeping some things for themselves. And not to say that multi-passionates shouldn't have hobbies. It's a very healthy thing for us to have, but the multi-passionate is gonna, at some point, ask that question, how can I share as many of my gifts as possible you know, without burning out? How can I share this with the world? There's this desire, this yearning, to get it out of you. So that's what I would describe as the multi-passionate experience. Oh my gosh. I feel like you just described my life and that's probably why I've always connected with your work and what you share. And I have, I feel like I have a bunch of questions, just even being a multi-passionate and navigating the multi-passionate life, but I kind of want to start with you and your personal journey and how how has this shown up for you how have you discovered through trial and error how to work and as a multi-passionate person like what what has that journey been like for you yeah you know it's really come from a place of honoring my curiosity mm. and this is something that i feel all multi-passionate people can benefit from is leaning into our curiosity instead of being intimidated by it or having a fear of it. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes we're such curious people that we're like, oh no, I'm here we go. Now I'm gonna go over there and I'm supposed to be focused over here. And so sometimes we won't follow that curiosity. And when we train ourselves out of that, even if it's something as simple as, I'm really interested in hand lettering. I would love to just be able to write my own greeting cards every holiday season something that simple and you have this curiosity but then you push it down even something that small you're training yourself out of being curious it, the hand lettering that interest that's just a symbol but when we repress that curiosity it really takes a toll on us so something that i've done throughout my life the minute i realized i was multi-passionate and made the choice that i was going to create a lifestyle that would support that I follow and I honor my curiosity. Now, what does this have to do with figuring out the way that I can work and be productive without burning out and bring my ideas to life, you know, on a stress-free timeline and focus and priorities? What does that have to do with it? I became so curious about why I was struggling to stay focused. Mm. So instead of beating myself up about it, I was like, why? I mean, I probably beat myself up about it for a little bit. And then eventually I was just like, why can't I do why is this so hard? This is ridiculous. Like, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard for me to start something and complete it? It's like, why can't I do that? You know? 
Um, and as a highly multi-passionate person, I know like you can relate and everyone else listening can relate. It's like, that shouldn't be that difficult. So I probably got frustrated at first, but then I went straight to curiosity. And what happened was I began to say, well, what does it mean to focus? Mm. What is focusing? It's just this big, vague concept that we all take at face value. We're like, well, I have it or I don't, or I know how to do it or I don't. But if you think about the concept of focusing, it means so many different things. Mm. Sometimes focusing means sitting down, concentrating on the task in front of you and completing it. Mm. But sometimes focus means seeing the bigger picture, embracing a longer timeline so that you can see how things can come together organically. Sometimes focus means taking a few things off of your plate so that you have more energy to give to what's left. There's all these different qualities to this very big concept that we call focus. So I started to get really curious about that. And then I started to say, well, okay, what if I thought about the outcome that I desire? And then I sort of tailored how I focused to match that outcome. So what I noticed was, and then I would observe myself. So this is an only child thing too, right? Okay, so I'm an only child. So I spent all my childhood just like, I wonder why I am this way, like, because I had no one to talk to. So I think that's a big part of it as well. I'm a naturally introspective, self-reflective human being um, from just being alone and like starting a journal way too early in my life and all those things. But I started to notice that if I was sitting down and I was in the middle of a task, I would get this feeling of, is this the right thing I should be doing? Should I have, should I be doing this other thing right now? Is there something else that should come before this? And I'd be trying to complete my task, but I'd be second guessing the very task I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And that really pulled me out of my in the moment focus, if you will. So then I would say, okay, so this isn't really a focus issue. It's not that I can't focus, it's that I don't have clarity. I don't have clarity on whether or not this is the right thing to start with. I don't have clarity on my order of operations. So I would take a break, get up from my desk and go, okay, let me get a sheet of paper and just write down everything I have going on right now. And let me make sense of this. And also let me ask the question, do I wanna be doing all of this? Is there anything I can push out further? Is there a conversation I can have that can release me from some of these commitments that I've made? Do my priorities and my commitments align or are they clashing? And I wasn't completing any task in that moment, but I would come out of what I now call intensive focus. I would come out of these intensive focus sessions feeling a ton of clarity. Mm. Like, ah, oh, okay, I know exactly what I should start with. And then the next day when I would sit down to complete the task, I no longer had all these voices questioning what I was working on and I was able to just get it done. So I'm like, okay, let me try that again next week. And then I would do it on purpose. I'm gonna start with writing everything down, making sure I feel good about this. And I would just add on to that practice. Okay, well now let me look at my vision book and like meditate on why I'm doing all this. And I would just kind of add to it and figure out what worked for me. Then the next day, like clockwork, I would feel so much clarity that when it came time to work on what I needed to work on, I could just get it done. So that's really how it started. It started with being curious about why focusing and why having clear priorities was so difficult for me as a multi-passionate and then observing my own process and questioning the concept of focusing in the first place and then creating a system that worked for me and then being willing and brave enough to say, hey, everyone in my community, I created this thing. I think it can help you. You should try it. And sharing it and that's where I am now wow. long answer but oh my that's gosh. yeah <laughs> that like I think that answer is so it's going to be so helpful for so many people because it's like you've almost systemized your creative process and given yourself mm -hmm. permission to be exactly who you are and something that you said really stuck with me because I, I was going to ask you about like follow through in projects, because I feel like I'm the same way where I have a lot of different ideas, a lot of different projects, a lot of different paths I could go down and I'll get really excited about something and I'll start it and I'll work on it. And then 
then I, my attention will take me somewhere else. And then I'll be like, oh man, I never finished that thing that I wanted to make. And now that excitement has died down a little bit, but you know, I still kind of want to make it, but it's not as important to me as now these other things that I'm following. And what you said about focus and the different types of focus and being able to zoom out and see the larger picture and getting that clarity. Because if I think back to some of those things I've I've like left behind or not finished, which in my mind, I almost like kind of see as a failure, even though it's not really a failure, but it's kind of this thing that I never finished. So I'm like, it didn't get completed. Mm -hmm. And that means that I failed, but it's this idea of like, everything leads, you know, what is that bigger picture and everything leads to kind of the next thing. And some of those projects, maybe I will come back to when I'm ready, but I needed to take more time in my life so that I could come back to it when I was ready. So I think that's so important for creatives to remember that it's like, things can definitely take more time than you think. And it's all, it's not, it's not for nothing. You know, every little thing that you do is going to either lead somewhere else or like, if you follow that path of your, your curiosity and like your curiosity will never lead you down a wrong path. So I think that's such a beautiful way that you were able to explain and illustrate that. Yeah. And do, did you want to talk about follow through? I do have, you know, some tips for that. Cause that is, that's a very common thing. So if you want to talk about that, we totally can. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd love to like how, I guess specifically for me, it's like this, yeah, this thing of starting something, getting really excited about it, committing to it and then not getting so excited about it and committing to something else and like not being able to follow through on my commitments yeah. So what, yeah. What yeah. would you respond to with that? Yeah. So this is something that I've worked through personally myself and that I take my clients through all the time. So the first thing is to just know you're not alone. This is extremely common and like kind of like another marker of just the multi-passionate experience because when an idea is shiny and new, all of our energy is behind it. A lot of the times that's because we have not hit a single fork in the road. The ride is super, all we can see is potential. Oh my gosh, this could be so amazing. And imagine where this could go. And then you start whatever it is and you realize, oh, this is taking way longer than I thought. Or, okay, there's all these tech things that I didn't anticipate. Or, oh, there's a barrier of entry and now I have a roadblock. And so what happens when we start to get into this problem solving mode of, oh, okay, so maybe all of that excitement that I had is not really gonna work just to push me through this. I'm gonna have to actually like figure this out. Our other ideas become extremely attractive to us. Why? Because we don't know the roadblocks that are associated with those yet. Mm. So it's almost like those other ideas are like, hey, I see you over there struggling. I see you second guessing if you even should have started that, but hey, I'm still here. Like I'm shiny, I'm new, I'm, I've got no, no problems over here. And we, I think it's just part of the our human nature. We're like, you know what? This is getting difficult <laughs> or it's taking longer than I thought or I did I'm doing so much but I'm not seeing the results that I want fast enough. So I'm just going to go to this other idea because it looks good, really 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 good right now. Mm. And then what happens? We go to the next idea, again, hopeful, excited. Oh, so much this time. This is the one. This is going to work. I'm going to stick with this we hit a bump in the road or we don't start seeing results. And then what happens? Oh, Cause we're, not, we're always gonna have a plethora of ideas. So then there's another idea that's like, hey, I'm over here. So the first thing is to just know that that is a pattern that can occur. And when you can observe it as a pattern, you can go, oh, interesting. I'm in this, the middle of, in the building stage of this idea, it's no longer shiny and new. And all of a sudden, all my other ideas are looking way more attractive. Why is that? Again, going back to curiosity. Mm. Why is it that I feel like right now is the time to divert my attention and go that way? Is it because I feel really lonely building this thing behind the scenes? Mm. Do I need to share my progress with someone so that they can celebrate with me? Right? Can I share a sneak peek with my email list or can I text my bestie and be like, hey, look at this thing I'm doing? Do I need a little bit more support because it can be really lonely when you're building something. And especially if you're doing something like this, this happened to me when I was creating my podcast. I was recording episodes and getting the first season ready and no one heard it. 
and I didn't know if people were going to like it. And I was like, I'm going to go launch a course because <laughs> I can know right away if people want this, I can pre-sell it. I can garner interest immediately because working on a podcast alone is lonely. It's like, yeah. ugh, I don't know if anyone's even going to like this. So that's something that can really help share what you're doing with someone so that you don't feel as lonely in the process. Another thing that you touched on was, you know, excuse me. <clears throat> Another thing that you touched on was you commit to it. You know, you commit once in the beginning and then you find that you're not quite following through your commitments. Well, what I have learned is that as a multi-passionate person, committing to a project needs to be a repetitive process. You have to do it over and over and over again. You might need to recommit every single week on Monday of that week. Just remind yourself this week, this is my focus. Why am I doing this? What's the long-term outcome? If I stick with this, recommit. Or you might have to do that every single day before you start your work. This is what I'm working on. And I'm now in this moment, I'm recommitting to this. So that's the second thing. Make committing to something a repeatable process. The third thing, and this is huge, this really blows my clients' minds when we talk about this. There are two definitions of commitment. If you look up like in the dictionary, dictionary.com, there are two definitions and they sound so different. The first one has words like obligation, contract, things like that, these hard words. The second definition has words like devotion, dedication. So it's important to ask yourself, which definition of commitment are you operating under? Mm. Are you operating under obligation? And I have a contractual agreement, I must finish this. Or are you devoted to seeing your project through? Mm. <clears throat> Making that distinction can completely change the game. So when I say make, com make commitment a repeatable process, you can swap that word out for, I am devoted to this and I'm willing to devote myself to this again and again and again. And just making that shift could just be really, really helpful. Mm, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I discovered recently, like I was kind of thinking of myself as like, oh, I, I wanna like work on my discipline. I wanna be disciplined. And then I looked up the definition of the word discipline and the root word of discipline was punishment. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't wanna be punishing myself. Like that's not create, that's not the point with creativity. Creativity is supposed to be joyful. It's supposed to be loving. And like, so I was like, I'm gonna replace discipline with devotion and that's what it's gonna be. And just, you're right, even making that little shift, like not even operating differently, but making that little shift makes such a difference. And I'm curious, like, because kind of going back to this follow through and being multi-passionate, having multiple creative projects or ideas that you're working on at one time, how do you, like, how do you do that? And how do you, like, should you just pick one thing to focus on? And I mean, I guess this goes with prioritization too, but like, if I have, cause right now it's like, okay, I have a, a travel essay book I want to write. I have this play about this Mayan fire ceremony that I want to write. I have this play about my mom um, immigrating from Russia that I've wanted to write for years. I have this memoir that I want to work on. It's like all of these different things. I also do the podcast, like all of these different things. How should I, yeah, do you, do you do pick thing, pick one thing that feels most present and go with it? Or do you kind of split your time and, and do it in that way? Yes, so this is absolutely a question about prioritization. And I have a free training that we can link to in the show notes that will dive deeper into this. But I created a solution specifically for this question, mm. specifically for the question of, okay, I, I, I want to do all the things at once. And I almost feel pressure to do all the things at once because if I don't do them, I might lose interest. They might disappear. Someone else might do it, right? So how does a multi-passionate person navigate that? So mm. I created a solution called the priority mapping method. And it contains three steps. And I'll give like a brief overview. And then if you want to dive deeper or anyone listening, check out the training. We'll link to it in the show notes. So the first step is having clarity. Mm -hmm. Having clarity about who you are and what you want and what your idea of a successful, fulfilled life as a multi-passionate is. Mm -hmm. And not comparing that or basing that on anyone else's experience. What you might find when you come from that place is, well, 
it's important for me. So I'm going to use you as an example, what you just told me. So as you focus on having this clarity about yourself, and part of this that I really can't get into because it'll take us forever is knowing your human design. So in my program, I have a human design practitioner who comes in and teaches how to use human design specifically to cultivate clarity as a multi-passionate because it's one of the best tools. So that's one way to learn clarity on a personal level about who you are, because depending on your human design type, that's really going to determine what your energetic output looks like, how you might even want your calendar to look like week to week. So that's really important. But also you can think about clarity on a personal level when you ask the question, so what do I want, right? Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like you really value telling stories. You have a couple of plays that you want to write. You also have your podcast. All of that is really tied around telling stories. So you can come and start with that clarity. Okay, one of my main values is telling stories. And you can ask yourself the question, is it important that I tell every single story at the same time? Or is it just important that I'm getting my stories told? Mm -hmm. Having that clarification will create a lot of ease for you and your nervous system, right? So clarity is number one, asking yourself these questions. It's really an introspective experience and diving deeper into yourself and who you are. And one of my main tools for that is, is human design. Mm. The second thing is what I call stacking your priorities. And basically the way I can sum it up as succinctly as possible is asking this question. What can I start with first? that will make everything else that I do after easier and more enjoyable for me. So in your case, you might say, okay, well, you are, well, first of all, you already have the podcast going. So right now I would say that your podcast is in what I would call the maintenance phase. You've already started it, it's going, and now you're keeping it going. So you are putting less energy right now into this project than you had to in the beginning when you were conceptualizing, learning the tech, all that, you're not putting that as much energy in. So this is why you're now like, okay, well, I have a couple plays. It's a good time. Yeah, you do. You can do more than one thing at a time. So right now you're like, well, I have all the, I have these other plays and these other stories that I want to tell. So you know that you've already made, you're devoted to having the podcast come out. What's your cadence? Like weekly? Yeah. Weekly, okay. So you know you have a weekly podcast to produce. That's the maintenance phase. You know kind of like what that process looks like and how much of your energy that that's going to use, right? So you have that already. So the next thing that you wanna do is look at the process of writing a play mm -hmm. and look at how much energy is that going to take? What's that going to require of me? What skills am I going to employ? Do I already have those skills or do I need to learn new skills? You're, you're gonna just almost like audit that idea mm. and ask yourself these questions and this helps you look at it more objectively so in my program i have a whole workbook that my clients use to do this because it can be really helpful to like get it out of your head but you're going to look at it more objectively and you're going to do that for every single project and then you're going to ask yourself okay well what could i start with first or what could i do next because <clears throat> you already have the podcast that would make everything else easier and more enjoyable for me so you might ask the question, okay, maybe before I tell the story about the Mayan fire, remind me what that was. Yeah, the Mayan fire, fire circle? ceremony, yeah. Okay, so maybe before I tell the story about the Mayan fire ceremony, I wanna start with telling my mom's story because maybe telling my mom's story and telling the story of someone who's closer to me will give me practice for then telling someone else's story. So mm -hmm. this is how you can start to differentiate what can I start with first that will make the next thing easier and more enjoyable for me, right? In writing one play, you're going to gain skills that you're going to use to write the other one. So what I want you to notice here is that I'm not saying, yeah, you just have to choose one thing and be happy with that. We're really taking a more holistic approach that allows you to feel like you still have, because you do, you still have complete autonomy mm -hmm. and you still have choices. Now, the other part of stacking your priorities is cultivating a flexible long-term view and the way i can sum that up is it's basically being more interested in how things can come together organically over a stretch of time than you are in everything happening super fast right now hmm. being more interested in what would it look like to 
to what would it look like for this to happen over the course of a year instead of thinking that all this can happen in the next two months or three months Mm. just making that shift because when you give yourself more time you have more space to see connections and you have more room for your creativity to breathe as well so that's the other part of the priority stacking and then the third part of this method is focus Mm. and using my three-part focus framework to support you in staying focused on a day-to-day basis and keeping you know that commitment front and center and honoring the fact that you have chosen your priority um, and that you have this order of operations that you're going to do things in and then also something that I, I don't teach this in the training but inside of my program I also teach about four different focus archetypes that you can tap into that can help you depending on kind of where you are in your process. So it's very holistic. And what I appreciate personally about this method I created about my coaching program is that I'm not telling you to go get a Notion template or that you have to use ClickUp or that you have to use Asana. This is a process that you will internalize regardless of what kind of planner or software that you want to use. Because what happens a lot of times is we're like, okay, I'm gonna get my priorities together and we go buy a planner. And we think the layout of the planner is going to magically get our life together. And it doesn't work like that. It's much more, you have much more longevity in this if you have an internalized process that you feel empowered by. So it's not even about what order you choose to do things in. It's the fact that you feel so good about your choices that you're not constantly second guessing yourself. And you're able to focus more on gaining momentum and getting things to a place where you feel good and have more energy back so you can start the next thing so yeah again i go more into it in the training but this is this is what i'm the most excited about right now so i'm really glad that you asked that question wow thank you for sharing that i feel like this is just pure gold i'm like soaking it all in because it's so it's something i don't know i've been thinking a lot about I guess like the masculine and the feminine and related to creativity and kind of how, you know, we think of the feminine as like this flowing, you know, receptivity, getting inspiration and ideas, but then you really do need that masculine to hold that structure in place and to have those systems because without that, you know, the create, the feminine has nothing to hold her. And so there's nowhere for her to go for it to go. So I love like how you've really developed these systems to support your creativity fully and to look at it in this like holistic sense so that you're really taking in everything, like who you are. I love that you brought in human design. And I, it's funny, you even brought up human design. Cause as you were talking, I was like, well, I wonder what your profile is. Cause you have that like investigator, um, researcher, or I don't know what, what that is. Um, but I was like, I have to ask you about your human design at some point. So I'm glad you brought that in too. Cause it's so unique to how we do operate as creatives. Even if, you know, we're all multi-passionates, it's like the way that we're going to show up and prioritize is going to be different for every person, depending on how their energy works. So I thought that was super fascinating. And I guess, I guess this is kind of still related to the masculine and feminine, but when do you, Like, how do you, how would you describe that integration of both the masculine and feminine? Is that by blocking off times where you can be really just like in your ideation creation space? And like, how do you balance and and let them work in relationship and work together so that it does support you instead of, because I think that I've, I can get in like hyper-masculine modes where I'm just like, well, I have to do this, this, and this, and this, and I just have to, you know, go down my to-do list. Or I can get a little bit too feminine where I'm like, well, I just have these ideas and I want to flow, but I don't have that like structure to back it up. So how do you, yeah, just integrate the relationship of the two? Yeah, that's a great question. And I can tell you a little bit about my human design in this answer. So I'm a 2-4 emotional manifester. Oh, I'm also a 2-4. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that that hermit line, that two line, that's a very introspective experience. You know, um, I do have fear motivation, which is where you're getting all that investigator energy. I know it seems like I'm a one line and I'm not. Okay. Um, Excuse me. But I have fear motivation. And what that basically means is I don't want to leave any stones unturned. I'm always like, well, let me get to the bottom of this. What's actually going on here? And so that really supports my investigative nature. But that hermit, that 
two line. It's like I have these natural talents and these natural gifts. I don't always see them. So I have to close myself off and spend time with myself and get curious about things for them to really kind of come to the light. And then I bounce it off of other people. And that's kind of how I start to create these solutions. But I'm also a quad left. So I don't know if you're into the variables. This is getting a little bit deeper into human design, but I'm a quad left, which means all the four arrows that are next to my head on my chart face to the left. Oh. And left facing variables identify a more masculine approach to life, meaning structures, systems, give me all the plans, give me all the details, a more specific view of things where right facing arrows are more of a feminine flow more passive more flowing i don't need as many details i can just flow with it so <clears throat> as a quad left i can also sometimes get trapped in the hyper masculine of okay well i have my plan and i'll just stick to the plan and what i have learned about integrating the two is that for me structure creates freedom because if I know what I'm working on and I give myself, let's say, an anticipated completion date, right? Like, okay, I would love to have the next season of my podcast completely recorded by the end of August so that I can get ahead. Let's just say something like that. That gives me the freedom to say, okay, well, how many episodes do I feel like I can do there? I can cut it in half if it feels like too much. Or I can say, well, I want to keep all these episodes, so I'm going to extend my timeline. When I create structure, I'm not creating rules. I'm not locking myself into a prison. I'm creating a structure that then I can flow within. My favorite analogy for this is a playground. Mm -hmm. You give, you take a child to the park, and there's a play structure there. They don't feel like they're trapped. They don't feel like they have nothing to do because they still get to decide, do they want to go down the slide? Do they want to go on the monkey bars? Do they want to play in the sand? So that structure keeps them contained so that their parents can rest for a second and know where their child is, but the child still feels more free than ever. Oh my gosh, a playground, uh. a structure for me to play in. And that is how your creativity can also feel once you kind of strike that balance. And I don't know if balance is the right word because mm -hmm. there are going to be times when we require more structure and there are going to be times we require more flow. So this is why even when you heard me talking about focus, I told you that uh, the, so there's a three part focus framework that I teach and the first part of that is intensive focus and I don't know where I came up with the name for that I think intuitive focus might have been better because intensive focus makes it sound intense. Um, <laughs> I use the word intensive because it's kind of like going into a one on one session with yourself and that's kind of like how I think about it, but this is a very feminine practice, mm -hmm. this is looking at what you have on your plate, feeling into that, feeling how it feels for you. Does it still feel aligned? And then doing something that can anchor you back to your why. So maybe it's a visualization, maybe it's adding to your vision board or sitting in front of your vision board or doing a guided meditation, something that anchors you back into why am I even doing all of this and really seeing the bigger picture. That's a very feminine expression of something like focus, which kind of feels more masculine in nature. So I try to integrate both into my processes, um, learning your human design, doing things like EFT tapping to cultivate more clarity, embracing curiosity. That to me is a more feminine practice. And then the next module of my program is all about creating these priorities. So there already kind of is this inherent balance. But when I find myself getting too much in the hypermasculine, which can absolutely happen. My remedy is like, I need to take a day off. Mm. I need to take a day off. I need to go to the park. I need to sit by myself with a book and a journal. And I need to just be not do anything, just be so you know, regardless of my method that I teach or whatever, I think that if anyone listening feels like they are getting a little bit too caught up in the task oriented part of things or feeling a little bit trapped by the structure take some time off to do whatever nourishes you that's going to look different for every single person but trusting yourself to know what you need i think is extremely attuned to our feminine energies you know we're, we can really mother ourselves in that way and that's something that helps me if i start to feel too overwhelmed i'll delete the instagram app take a day off go to the park or go to the beach and sit in front of the water and just be with myself for a little bit. And that also really helps.
Mm, I love that answer. And as we were talking, my question did come back, which is a little, yeah, it kind of reminds me back to like unfinished projects. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about of like creating for ourselves and creating for our souls because we, you know, because we feel like we have to, or something wants to be expressed through us versus creating for an audience and creating for, because I think there's value in both. And I think that sometimes, and I think that there is a level of discernment of like, when are you not sharing your art or your creativity with others because you're scared of being seen? Or when is like your creativity just for you? And can that be enough? And so I'm curious, like, thinking about art without an audience or creating without an audience, without sharing, what is your perspective on that? Yeah, you know, I think it's gonna be really different and unique for each individual person. Um, You know, there are ways that we create and the ways that we express ourselves artfully that aren't as obvious. Mm -hmm. It's not always picking up a paintbrush or grabbing your instrument. Sometimes it's the way you handle a conversation with your partner. Sometimes it's the way that you reach out to a friend first instead of them reaching out to you because you wanna make sure that you keep a balance in your relationship. So sometimes the way that we express ourselves as artists really comes out through who we are and how we're moving through the world. And that's highly personal to us. I think that your creativity plays a role in, in every aspect of your life. It's not something that you turn on and off. It's something that pulses through your being at all times. Rearranging the furniture in your home or putting up a brand new piece of artwork just to bring some freshness or bringing home a bouquet of flowers because you know it's gonna brighten up your week. These are all creative practices and they're not necessarily things that need to be monetized or shared, but they're things that you're doing already on your own. So maybe part of it is just recognizing where you're already doing that and honoring, you know, honoring that. Mm. But I think, it's going to be different for each person. You know, I've had points in my life where I was perfectly content just singing and playing the ukulele for my friends and family or just writing songs by myself and not sharing. And I've had points in my life where I was performing all over town in band singing because I needed to share. And now I like sing on my Instagram and I'll sing on my podcast here and there because I do want to share that part of myself because I feel like it's not just for me. It's a way for me to express myself. So you know, I think that it's going to look different at different stages in your life. A passion of yours that may have been really dominant at one point in your life may kind of fall into a place of dormancy later. And you might find that just picking it back up for yourself, just to remind yourself for your love of that thing is enough. And it doesn't need to be shared because you already had that stage in your life. But I can't really give one succinct answer because it just feels so individual to each person's experience. Yeah, I love that. I love that answer so much because I think that's so true that just the way that we embody ourselves like in in all of our expression is art, is creativity and and we're creating moment to moment. So remembering, I think that's important for everyone to hear too of just like you're not only creative when you're making art or making something or whatever you're creative when you're grocery shopping and you're putting together ingredients in your car and getting that flower to beautify your home so I love that answer and it also brings me to I really have been curious to ask you about marketing and social media because you're someone who I've always looked up to who is so good at marketing I mean I've never met you before and your dog barked in the background and I knew that your dog's name was Chai because you've talked about him in your marketing. And that's such a beautiful like way for me to see who you are without even really knowing you. Um, so I was just like, wow, you've, you've really like those details and stuff have really stuck with your audience. Um, so I'm curious to hear like, how do you feel about social media currently, especially now that it's kind of changed so much And how do you approach marketing? What's your advice for people who marketing is like the worst part of of being an artist and having to promote your offerings and all of that? Yeah, so this is a total two line experience because I'm just like, am I good at marketing? Really? Oh, okay. Um, I don't think of myself as someone who is like super good at marketing. So it's interesting that you see that, but that's the two line experience. I can sometimes be good at things and not even realize it because it's just not in my awareness. So thank you so much for mirroring that to me. I really appreciate that. 
Um, and I'll take that with me when I'm feeling insecure about showing up or whatever. So I'm glad you asked this question because I think this is just like what's on everyone's mind right now. And I do have some thoughts. <laughs> so um, specifically with Instagram, I have recently, so right now, I mean, you know, if anyone's listening to this in real time, I think this will feel relevant, but I'm going to set the tone just in case someone finds this episode later. We're kind of at a place on Instagram specifically where Instagram is the first place that a lot of creatives went to start experimenting and sharing and expressing themselves. And it's the first place where we started documenting our creative process and putting ourselves out there. And so even though there are new platforms like TikTok, for example, that have come onto the scene, a lot of us feel most comfortable, most at home on Instagram, or at least that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. I've tried to do the TikTok thing, but I'm more of a writer and more of like a sharing a moment than I am a being on video. I can only be on video if I'm in a very specific mood. Mm -hmm. So for me to rely on video content where I am like talking to the camera constantly just wouldn't be a great marketing strategy for me because I'm an emotional manifester, which means my emotional wave goes up and down. And also I don't have consistent energy all the time. My energy is going to change and shift. So for me, TikTok is just like, no, <laughs> I have one and I kind of just repurpose stuff and throw it up there. But that is not a place where I'm willing to put my main focus. Instagram feels like something that I do feel a little bit attached to in some ways, just because it's the first place I went and kind of how I really started to share along with having a blog. So I think that right now, because we're in this place where Instagram is changing and basically saying, yeah, I know you're going to do video content if you want to be relevant here. A lot of us are feeling pissed off because as creatives, we don't want to be told, well, this is how you have to create. No one wants to hear that. And if I feel like making a video and expressing myself that way, that's great. But what if I also love graphic design? Or what if I'm a photographer and I also want to share my work in a static post and now you're telling me that I can't do that? Or what if I like to write and I like to create carousel posts that just have my words on them and you're telling me that that's not you know, going to work? So I've been thinking about this so much and I think that what's at the core of some of our frustration it's not just oh instagram algorithm eye roll it's more of like as a creative i want to be heard and i want to be seen and i want to feel safe to share in a way that's going to honor me mm. and i think that it's actually tapping into some deeper wounds that we have as creative people who especially as multi-passionates who are already kind of suppressed in our society because our society caters to specialists and everyone says to niche down and that that's the way to be successful. So we're kind of already working against these parameters that we know we don't fit in. And now it's kind of being mirrored in a really literal way on this platform. So what I have personally done at first, I was like, okay, and just real like posting all these reels. And part of it was an experiment of like, it feels uncomfortable for me to show up multiple times. Like if I will post like two reels in a day, which I've never posted more, more than one post in a day. But recently I have been just experimenting with like, well, I made a reel, whatever. I'm just going to post it right now, even though I posted one a few hours ago. And that was kind of an experiment in, do I feel safe to show up like this? Like, do I feel, do, do I trust that I'm not annoying people? Do I trust that people want to see me? So I started doing that. But then I realized I was doing that because I was secretly hoping that the Instagram gods would reward me for that, you know, like, oh, look, she's making lots of reels. Let's just show all of her content, you know, and then I would post a static post and like it would be like impression zero. Like it showed it to no one. And so then I was like, OK, fuck this. Like this is just this is not OK. And I had to delete the app. So right now I don't even have the app on my phone. Um, I deleted it yesterday. I downloaded all my Reels drafts to save for later. And I deleted the app because I realized that I was starting to feel abused. <laughs> Sounds dramatic, but that's how it felt. Mm -hmm. It felt like, okay, so I have to make this type of content. And, um, and you know, I almost felt pressure to do it multiple times a day, which is just strange for me because that's not how I operate. So I felt, and I was consuming a lot more than I normally did because I was on the app more because I was checking my metrics. So 
it just became too much. So I deleted the app. Um, and I, and I used to do that more often. I would delete the app like almost every weekend. And I still do that pretty much as a practice. But what happens is when you start making reels on the app and you have drafts, you don't want to delete the app because you don't want to lose your drafts. So they bully us into staying on this app by holding your content hostage. It's a very, very interesting relationship. So what I have come around to is going back to clarity. What is important for me? Is it important for me to have a vibrant presence on Instagram and be like known on Instagram? Not really. It's important that people who need what I have can find me. It's important that I'm able to create a community of people who identify as multi-passionate, who may have had similar struggles that I have, who I can help. So, you know, that's how my business runs. That's the lifeblood of my business making sure that I'm finding people and people are gravitating toward me who need the solutions that I have to offer. So being that that is what my actual desire is, I started thinking about where else can I do that? And so I just began writing articles on Medium, which is a blogging platform. I already write a ton. I have a blog. My whole business started with blogging. Writing is one of my passions. And so I have just decided that I'm not putting all my eggs in the Instagram basket. So I started writing on Medium and now I'm focused on, okay, what kind of community is there? There's a whole other community of people who want to read writing, (laughs) who open that app, not to look at pictures, who go there to read. And so I feel a sense of like, ah, okay, well, I'm gonna go over here. And you can actually monetize your writing fairly easily just by kind of being consistent and growing your audience there. It's not as competitive as Instagram. There's not as many changes happening. So my solution to this and my thoughts about, I know you asked me about marketing. I'll talk about that too. But my thoughts on Instagram for anyone listening is please don't get stuck in the mindset that that's the only place you can go to share your unique message. And please, whatever you do, Don't let the algorithm make you feel like your message isn't relevant or your message doesn't matter. Just because Instagram doesn't blast it to the amount of people that you hoped for and you're feeling like, oh no, so no one engaged with this, so they must not wanna hear that. That's not true. Go and get into another room, share your work on another platform. I know a lot of people are doing the same thing, moving on to LinkedIn, for example, instead. Um, I also promote my podcast on Pinterest. For example, because at first I was like, well, how am I going to get people to my podcast? There's other outlets. Now, I'm not abandoning Instagram, but I will not be downloading the app back onto my phone until some clear, structural, masculine boundaries are in place. Because if I get flowy on Instagram, like I'll just post when I feel like it. And then I'm posting more than I think I need to. And then I can't keep that consistency up. That's not my actual cadence. So for me, This is a situation where I would like to post four times a week or three times a week about these things, schedule them in advance so I don't have to constantly be on the app. And until I can really embrace that structure, I'm not putting it back on my phone. That's something that I had to do for myself. Um, But yeah, diversifying platforms and not letting any algorithm on any app make you feel like your message doesn't deserve to be heard is really important. Um, Marketing, when it comes to marketing, it's so interesting. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I feel like I'm not an authority on this at all, but I, but I appreciate um, that you see it that way. So I do want to share kind of like some of what my process is. So as a manifester, my, I'm really into human design, if you can't tell, but as a manifester, my strategy is to inform. So that's really what I think of in my marketing. I'm informing, I'm informing, I'm informing. And just like I said, you know, committing to something needs to be a repeatable process. Marketing is a very repetitive process. What I realized is, you know, we kind of are born with this very egocentric worldview. It's just how we are as kids. And it's interesting how we feel like, well, because I'm spending all my time working on this and I put one post out, everyone else must know about this. (laughs) They don't. They don't know because they're consuming so much. So marketing has actually begun recently to become a very spiritual practice for me Mm -hmm. because it requires so much self-belief 
and so much self-trust in what I have to share being relevant and being a service to people. Mm. So before I think I used to think of it as, well, if I have an event coming up in two weeks, I should post about it X amount of times. And I would just think of it as like some kind of formula to follow. But now I think of it as this event can help so many people. It is like my job to do a service to everyone, to tell them about it in different ways at different times, to offer them different ways to sign up and to do that quite often. Now, sometimes I get tired of talking about the same thing, especially as a multi-passionate. I'm like, I don't care. Here it is. If you want it, sign up. I'm over it, right? <laughs> but then when the event comes and there's people in the room, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I repeated myself. I'm so glad that I started, I gave myself a whole month to market this thing. I'm so glad that I found different ways to invite people in because when I'm having the experience, it's so good and so amazing. It feels so nice to serve. So I really started to think of marketing as a service that I'm providing. I'm informing and I'm also letting people know, I really want you to join this thing. I want you to come, like, I'm not like, hey, I, I just tell people often, I inform. Hey, I have a coaching program. If you have these specific problems that you're trying to solve, I wanna help you. You don't have to do it alone. Mm. You know, sometimes that's all a person needs to hear to go, okay, let me go check it out. You know, it's not always about having a witty catch and then a hook and then pain points. Sometimes you just need to talk to people. And so I think bringing a level of vulnerability in can be really helpful as well. And the other thing with marketing that I've realized is specifically with content marketing. So the way that I market, I have my podcast, I have my email list, I have social, and now I have you know my blog and medium as well. And it sounds like a lot, but I really get as much as I can out of one piece of content. Mm -hmm. So if I have a podcast episode, about a certain topic, I already know that that's going to be an article on medium and it's going to be a post on Instagram and probably a few different formats. And an email if I didn't say that already, and it sounds like oh yeah duh like repurpose your content sure you save a lot of time. But repurposing your content requires a lot of self belief that your content is valuable mm. you're not going to share it more than once in many different ways, if you don't truly believe someone is going to benefit from this and so it is i need to share it it's something that i want to do in as many ways as i can that feels good to me and so these are the shifts that i've adopted lately and it really has impacted my marketing i talk about things way more than once i i recently started writing songs that are theme songs for my offers so i'm hosting a workshop i wrote a theme song for my workshop i went live on instagram wrote the song like while i was on the live then I took that Instagram live and put it on my podcast so people could also hear it in that format. And it just felt really fun and good for me to do that, right? Like someone's gonna be drawn to my workshop just because I wrote a song about it. And it's like, who does that? Well, someone who feels really good about being multi-passionate does that. And that's what the workshop's about. So come, let me show you how you can do these things too, you know? So some of it is like, allowing your passions and your interests to support your efforts and whatever you might be marketing. Another part of it is thinking of this as a service. You're not bothering people when you tell them about how you can help them. You're doing them a service. And the other part is getting so behind your work that you're willing to repeat yourself often and you're willing to share your work in a myriad of different ways so that people have multiple opportunities to engage and to be served and to get what they what they need from you. Um, if I had to try to sum up like my approach to marketing, that would really be it. And when it starts to feel like too much, too heavy, too masculine, too many rules, I'm burning out on this. Yeah, you gotta let it breathe too. Take a break, let it breathe. Trust that whoever is supposed to find it will find it. And then, you know, kind of come back to it. So mm. yeah. And trust your human design too, because if everyone's going to approach this differently, but that's what works for me. Thank you so much for sharing all of that because it's so helpful. And I feel like you just described like a multi-passionate approach to marketing, which is so helpful. And especially not only in repurposing content, but that marketing is your spiritual practice. And it is also that 
balance, like we've been talking about, about the structures and making it work for you. And then also letting it breathe and trusting. So it, it, I mean, in a way marketing is also super, I mean, it is super creative. It's super creative. And so it's another way to like, to, it's another passion. It's another passion that you can have. So if you love writing, then it's like, okay, well, how can I make this how can I storytell about this writing so that people will read it or about this podcast? So it's, it's so cool that, yeah, that coming back to that, instead of thinking of like marketing as this thing that we have to do and yes. you know, something that feels like drudgery, which is sometimes how I feel about it, which is why I probably don't market. Um, yeah. But it's I have fun. one more tip. Yeah. I have one more tip too. I was just talking to my coaching clients about this. So think about a movie trailer right when you are watching a movie trailer think about how boring it would be for someone's like head to pop up and they go let me tell you about this movie that's coming up and they're just talking to you about the movie there's really no movie trailers like that what movie trailers do for marketing is they show you parts of the movie and so a challenge that i gave my clients and something that i'm leaning into more myself is showing versus telling in my marketing not all the time sometimes you do need to just inform and tell but i challenge my clients to take a movie trailer approach with their marketing show some behind the scenes show what people are going to get when they sign up show them instead of tell them because there's so many other places in our marketing in the world where that's how it's done but when you're a coach and you're in this kind of online business industry it can be a lot of like telling and telling and telling and that can get really boring but you can be really creative with the ways that you show so i want to give everyone else that tip if you want to join me and my clients on that on that challenge the show versus tell i love that yeah we'll definitely try that um as we're wrapping up i love sharing creative resources on this podcast and i know you've mentioned your programs and your training which we will definitely link in the show notes but i'm curious if there's anything lately that you've consumed like a podcast a book or anything that's really helped you along your multi-passionate creative journey that you'd like to share and yeah anything that we can engage with hmm let me think about this um the first thing that comes to mind is an app called libby and it is basically uh an app on your phone where you can access audiobooks from the library for free so think audible but for free not every book is available there but a lot of books are a lot of the more popular books are and i'm not sure if this necessarily has to do with multi-passionate creativity but it's really important that we have ways to take breaks it's important that, so yeah, actually it definitely does tie into it. It's important that we have ways to take breaks and to truly unplug from business building and marketing and these things that we spend a lot of time doing. And recently, one of my favorite ways to do that has been to drop into a fiction audiobook or listening to a memoir. So what fiction does for me is it gives me an escape it gives me a story to drop into. What's great about listening to it on an audiobook is I can tidy up or I can go for a walk and be listening to it. When I listen to a memoir, what that does for me is it reminds me that every single person has adversity in their life on some level. And I can be inspired by someone else's story and it can remind me to keep going so that I live long enough to tell my story and share my own, you know, victories and things like that. So I think the Libby app is a really, really great tool for, you know, if you want to listen to more audiobooks, but you don't want to get an Audible account or you don't want to have to continually purchase books, Libby is a great free resource. I think it's universal um, across most libraries in the country, I think. So hopefully everyone should be able to access it. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Libby because I feel like I don't hear enough people talking about Libby when it's like, yeah, you can be getting books for free. I'm curious, what kind of fiction books have you loved lately? Uh, do you have any recommendations? Um, I just finished one called The Story Hour, which was really interesting because the actress read the characters with different accents. And it's a lot about the Indian culture and some of the stereotypes in that culture and a woman kind of going through her marriage and finding herself. And it was just really good. There was some interesting twists and turns. And then I just started a book called Such a Fun Age, which is about a black woman who's a nanny for an affluent family. And I worked as a nanny for seven years for affluent families. So I'm just like, yes, I need to hear this. And I just started that one and that one's really good. And then a memoir that I just finished which was 
amazing, I could not get enough of it, was Finding Me by Viola Davis. She reads it and her voice is so unique and amazing. And hearing, you would never know the adversity that she faced growing up and hearing her story and hearing how she came out the other side is so inspiring. Mm, wow. Yeah. I'll definitely check those out. I, yeah. I love a memoir and I read it recently been reading a lot of fiction, which I hadn't read fiction for like years. Cause I was like, no, I want to read all the nonfiction and the self-help, but fiction, I realized it's such another beautiful way to like connect to real, to connect to stories. And even though it's not a true story all the time, but it's like you, you can see yourself in a lot of the characters. So I've been finding a lot of value in that. So, wow, this conversation has been everything. I'm so happy. I finally got to talk to you and just soak in your wisdom because you are a game changer. And like I said, you have been such an inspiration and a an expander for me and my journey too. So just know that you're doing that for so many people out there. And I know so many people are going to like better be taking notes throughout this conversation because there's a lot of <laughs> things that you can implement. So thank you so much, Joy. Where can people find you? Where can they find your podcast, your coaching programs, all of the work that you do? Yes, it's my pleasure. Thank you again for having me. So a great place to start, especially if you like a conversation around priorities is to check out the free training that we'll link to. It covers how to bring your ideas to life on a completely stress-free timeline created specifically for multi-passionates by multi-passionate. So check that out. And the other place that you can find me is definitely my podcast. It's called Multi-Passionate Mastery. You can find that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can come and hang out with me on Instagram if you're there. Let's hang out. Let's support one another in all content formats. And my handle there is at Multi-Passionate Joy. And Joy is spelled with an I. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely leave all that there. And yeah, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.